The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Cord something here now. So um, you just mentioned that uh, with respect to the habit that you're looking at, that you noticed that it wasn't arising so much, that that was something you were, you were aware of. And I didn't mention this, but this is actually, I don't remember mentioning it, but it's actually a piece that the Buddha pointed to around our habitual tendencies, around our, the ways that we get caught. He says, notice when they're present, like the instructions in the Satipatthana Sutta, you know, when, when, um, when anger arises, notice that anger is arising. So that kind of stepped back perspective. It's like, yep, this is the human experience of anger. And he also says, and when anger is not arising, notice that it's not arising. So it, it, uh, it points to that recognition of, of the conditions. The, it, and the, noticing that something is not arising, there are different flavors of that. There's different ways that we can recognize that. Sometimes it's, it's kind of in contrast, as you describe. It's like, oh, it's not happening as much as it did the day before. You know, so it's kind of like we, we notice that um, the conditions are different, that there's maybe a, a, a broader container, and often mindfulness creates those conditions. So like that rain you were talking about, it's just the container that we're in. Uh, creates more balance of mind, and that balance of mind creates the conditions for those habitual patterns to not arise as frequently. So that's one way we can notice. It's almost, almost that, that we recognize, or it's, it's our mind recognizing, wow, that, that isn't happening as much anymore. So we can notice, notice it in, um, almost on, in reflection in, in that way. Uh, we might notice it... Um, because we're feeling like balanced, you know, just, just that equanimity. We might just recognize in general that the mind is balanced and that things, that we're not being pulled off. So the feeling of balance itself is strong. And in that we understand that the mind is non-reactive. So it's similar. It's similar to the one of thinking about, oh, that's not arising, but it's more of the feeling of the balance itself and understanding that that balance means that these reactive states kind of can't come up. A more kind of direct way to see the non-arising, at least the most direct way that I've experienced, I described um, the other day, I think on Sunday, when I talked about the story of the apple and cutting the apple and uh, seeing a thought arise about the person I was angry with and uh, realizing in that moment I wasn't angry, but I was just, like the whole being wanted to get angry, so there was this movement in the direction of anger. But in seeing that movement in the direction of anger, the mind recognized that way lies suffering, that way will be painful, and the mind just didn't go there. So there was that recognition of the mind kind of moving in a direction, seeing that that's not going to be helpful and, and just changing course. And so that was another, that's another way that we can see the non-arising. And that's, that, was, that one was pretty direct. That's more direct. It's more in the moment. You're actually seeing in the moment. Anger is not arising. <laughs> it, the conditions were there, but it's not 
it's not happening. And um, that one can be a very powerful uh, recognition also. So recognizing the non-arising actually um, in terms of these hab- habits, in terms of the, the patterns or habits that you're looking at, Noticing when it's present, of course, you know, seeing if you can create that container to, uh, to be with it and to hold it and allow, but not uh, indulge. So that's a kind of middle way the Buddha talked about, you know, the allowing uh, of experience, but not indulging it, creates the conditions for us to understand that, that state, as opposed to be... Uh, um, um, encouraging it to continue and to recognize when that state is not there you know so to notice its absence so I'm glad you noticed that and brought that up thank you maybe I should work with Misty so you pointed to the fact that when the mindfulness comes up the, um, the you notice some things in your environment that you hadn't really been aware of, you know, the beautiful tree or making eye contact or, you know, just like when mindfulness arises and, and it's receptive in this way that we're exploring, you do become aware of things that you might not direct the attention to. And so those things may be outside, they may be the, in the environment, and they may be inside, so they may be emotions or moods like irritation and annoyance. And mindfulness arises and it's like the light comes on and it reveals what's here. And sometimes what it reveals, and again, we don't have to go looking. So we don't have to try to, to notice things outside or things inside. But as you noticed, when mindfulness arose sometimes around those tasks, it also revealed the state of mind. And this is, this is an important part of this receptive practice. As we come into mindfulness, we begin to recognize what's going on in our minds, as well as outside. And so this, this kind of recognition of outside, external, and internal, we notice what's going on outside and inside. And, and it's not that we have to try to do either one. You know, we, it, we're, not, we're not trying to direct the attention anywhere. But just as you notice, when mindfulness arises, sometimes it reveals things outside. Sometimes it reveals things inside. When it reveals what's inside, it can have a pretty powerful impact because we, we see, you know, when we're not aware of irritation or annoyance uh, or frustration, we're likely to be acting on it or making little snarky comments or, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know. And, and uh, when we are aware of it, we have a little more opportunity to uh, hold it in a bigger container. And it's like, ooh, oh, you know, oh, hello, okay. <laughs> you know, I'll be here with you and let's see if we can. So it's not about repressing. It's not about repressing that experience, but it's more about oh, holding it in a bigger container so that it's not just popping out <laughs> into like popcorn into, into the environment. So it's, it's a benefit when we see those things. It may not, as I said last night, it may not feel so much like a benefit because when we wake up to those states, we recognize that they don't feel so good. You know, it's like, ooh, frustration. It's like, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the mind is chafing at something. And, you know, it's like that, that's unpleasant. But, you know, the, that, um, that chafing 
uh, like frust- when frustration is arising, there's some relationship to something that's happening. There's a relationship often with the belief that something should be going a different way. And, you know, so that belief is kind of generating the frustration. Contrary to our kind of usual way of being in the world, what's happening out there is not creating what happens in here. It's, an, it's a condition that influences and uh, enters into what's happening in here. But it doesn't, thank goodness, have the power to create our emotions. Only our own minds do that. And so what happens out there kind of enters into our experience, to our conditioning, to our habits, to our, um, the way we've been raised and how we are in this moment. And that all comes together. Beliefs and views and opinions that we have about what should be happening or shouldn't be happening, all of that contributes to, uh, to our, um, our emotional response. And the, what we start to see as we bring in the awareness is that those uh, emotional states, and we, we start to see this too as we, um, as we recognize over and over again, you know, through the day, oh, mindfulness is arising, and wow, this is a situation which yesterday I felt frustrated, and today I don't. And so we, we begin to recognize that frustration. There's something else going on. It's not actually what's out there that's creating the frustration. There's also something happening in, inside that's contributing to that frustration. And that's the piece the Buddha actually said, this is what we can release. This is what we have some say over. This is what, what we don't have to blindly follow. And so the, the noticing uh, how we are helps us to recognize, well, you know, first of all, that the, those, those um, kind of reactive states are not conducive to well-being in the moment and that they are actually optional. I think I said the other day that um, those states themselves, so frustration, for instance, believes, there's a, there's a belief embedded in frustration that somehow the frustration is going to, um, um, you know, if I act on that frustration, I'm going, that the the thing that I want is going to, um, or if if I see that frustration and I can figure out how to get around it, then I'll get the thing that I want. So embedded in that frustration is some belief somehow that it is serving me in some way. That it's, it's, um, going to contribute to my well-being in the future. But we're not recognizing that it's not contributing to well-being right now. And we don't actually see that there are other ways to relate to that experience that don't involve that frustration, that are just like, uh, kind of more like wisdom. It's like, oh, this is the situation. Hmm, that's interesting. What, what might responses be? How might I respond to that so that wisdom and compassion can motivate our actions? The, the reactive states, frustration, um, uh, anger, all of, the, all of the states that have that energy to them, they often have that, you know, that motivating force that I need to do something about this. And when we're caught in that, when we're caught in that um, belief like wanting, wanting something 
to have that's pleasant. When we're caught in the belief around wanting, wanting has us convinced that the only way happiness will follow is to get that thing. Frustration has us believing that the only way happiness will come is for me to uh, change the situation around which I'm frustrated. So the, the belief has us kind of in an encapsulated world around that emotion that, that doesn't let us see options or possibilities beyond that world. So we are kind of fully immersed in the belief of that, of that reactive state and don't see that there are other ways to respond. So the, the beliefs that are associated with our reactive states... Um, kind of, uh, well, they're delusion. They're a form of delusion. And, and the, you know, the, that state and that belief is not going to tell us, is not going to inform us that there are other ways to accomplish things than following through on that reactivity. And so as wanting falls away, as frustration falls away, we see there is the possibility of wisdom and compassion motivating action. And then we get the sense of, oh, it's not just greed, aversion, and delusion that make us do things, but there's also some wholesome reasons that we can engage in the world so that we, um, we uh, begin to recognize that the motivating force of our lives doesn't have to be greed, aversion, or confusion. It can be wisdom. It can be love. It can be generosity, compassion, equanimity even. So uh, it's a... Yeah, let me turn the recorder off. I record this too. Another tool with the... uh, with the, the habits, as, as I just said, when we wake up into something like irritation, it may be a, like, oh, irritation, I'm, I'm way, so I know that I'm irritated. I don't like irritation. When we can step into the bigger container, that relationship can shift to curiosity and interest. So there's a, it feels completely different. It's a completely different feeling. It's like, oh, wow. This is, this is the human experience of irritation. So it takes the personal out of it. It creates more of a sense of um, not so much it's my irritation, but it's just irritation is happening. So another tool in the working with these challenging emotions, when you notice that, oh, you know, oh I'm irritated, I don't like irritation, it's kind of noticing that not liking also. Oh, irritation is happening and I don't like it. Oh, that's what's going on. So that actually may help you step into the bigger container to recognize, oh yeah, here's the irritation and I don't like it. We may not be able to uh, turn off the not liking. but just like, again, we can make a bigger container. So keep seeing if, if you can step back a little bit and just, it's like, hold whatever is coming up. Oh, Wow, it's irritation and I don't like it. Wow, lots of, wow, human beings really don't like to be irritated. No wonder there's so much pain in this world. You know, it just, it creates that, uh, that bigger container is the mindfulness, essentially. Breath. 
when we focus on the breath and come into clear awareness of the breath, there's a kind of perhaps clarity to the mindfulness because it's focused on something. You know, you know exactly what you're paying attention to, and there can be kind of detail and real kind of precision about that. And, um, and so that's a kind of feeling to the mindfulness that comes when we're directing the attention and focusing on something. There's a, a way the mindfulness feels in that. When we move into daily life, that kind of focused awareness, we can't really do that. You know, if you're really focused on the breath while you're driving, you know, you may not see the road, you know. It's so, it's, it's, uh, it's not appropriate so much to have that really focused awareness in daily life. So there's a different experience. You can kind of have the breath, and sometimes I talk about this in, in meditation. It's like the breath can be in the middle, and you're not really focused on it in the same way. But it's just like you've got a touchstone to it, like, yep you know, the breath is there, but it's just this kind of, it's more like you just know, yeah, breathing in and out, but it's, it's allowing the awareness to uh, also connect with thoughts and other experiences. So Tanisaro Bhikkhu uses this analogy sometimes. He says, if you have a candle in the middle of the room, you can look right at the candle and just look right at the flame. Or you can notice that the light of the candle lights up the whole room. In which case, you're not seeing the detail of the flame, but you're allowing, the, uh, you know, you're allowing yourself to recognize what's in the room. And, and this kind of, if you, if you have a kind of a touchstone, this habit essentially of mindfulness around the breath, you can cultivate that. It's not that it's, a, it's, not that it, it's something you, you don't want to do, but it's more like cultivate it to the point of, oh, that connection to the breath is allowing me to notice thoughts flitting through, is allowing me to notice that there's other things happening. The feeling of that broader awareness feels really different than that focused awareness. So it's, 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 it's got such a different flavor. Sometimes we, we don't give it credit. We feel like it's not a real awareness or it's not, it's not what we're going for. But in daily life, this is this. It's kind of like we have to expand our idea of what it means to be aware. So it can have a sense of fogginess sometimes, where it's, especially if we're used to having a real clarity of awareness with looking at things specifically. The the broader awareness may feel foggy at first. It may have a sense of well, I don't really, I don't even really know what I'm paying attention to. So give yourself some latitude there. It's like okay, yeah. I, I know that I'm aware, I know that I'm breathing, but I'm not really clear about what I am particularly aware of. That's okay. Just see if you can explore or be curious about that broader sense of, yeah, I know I'm aware, and maybe it feels foggy. That's okay. It's like, okay, yeah, foggy. This is, okay, foggy awareness. This is what foggy awareness feels like. So uh, just to, to begin to broaden that, that yeah. let me just turn this off. At that. So speaking about the, you know, coming into times or periods of balance of mind, of equanimity, where the mind feels very um, neutral, 
experience feels pretty neutral, it almost can feel, I, uh, you didn't say this, but it, it, it can almost feel a little disconnected perhaps, or um, and, you know, just somehow uh, there's some resistance to that. So flat, it, feels, it can feel flat. Um, so somehow there's some resistance to that, that neutrality. This is, this is um, it's essentially, it's a, it's a deeper kind of clinging in a way to wanting things to be, you know, have, have high, we, we like the highs and lows a little bit. Um, so there's, there's a deeper kind of clinging around it. And also I would say what might be interesting to look at, so you, I think your, your intuition of just hanging out with it and, and recognizing, okay, so it, the flatness is a relationship to the equanimity. It's not inherent in the equanimity. And so noticing that, okay, so the mind is balanced, the mind is neutral, and there's that flatness. So notice that, that flatness and maybe notice the resistance um, one question, if, you've, if you're exploring this and it's kind of present for a little while, you could just drop the question in. Um, what's being believed? There's some belief happening there. It's, there's, there's, it's, you know, there's a belief, maybe something along the lines of, you know, this means uh, I don't, care or this means I'm not connected or I don't know something something along those lines that we have as I mentioned earlier you know we have kind of belief around that place of balance that we think we're not going to do anything or you know I'm not you know if I if I just stay with this neutrality why would I ever do anything that belief is coming from the perspective of our habitual way of doing things and so, you know, it's just, it's just a kind of subtler form of, of clinging there. It's, it's 